This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Goonie Talk, back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, our twice-weekly show on a Tuesday and Friday at 5pm UK time. Our Friday show is a show which is based all around you guys in the chat box and getting as many people asking questions, getting up topics, talking about Arsenal, on-the-pitch stuff, off-the-pitch stuff, social stuff, hard-hitting topics That is what we're about to talk about today. And we're going to get a little bit real about the Europa League as well, which, of course, we recovered from our our near miss. uh, I I say near miss result last night against Olympiacos. But we got through, even though we lost the game, of course. And uh, unlike our other North London rivals, that is. um, And we will face Slavia Prague. And should we beat the Czech team, then we will go on to play one of Unai Emery's Villarreal or another team that have completely slipped my mind. Uh, Dino Zagreb, of course, who knocked Spurs out of the tournament. So let's crack on today's show. If you've got a topic that you would like us to discuss answering questions, make sure you start throwing them into the chat box and we're going to kick off by talking about the Europa League. Now, as always, our show is sponsored by Football Prizes, and this week's prize has sold out. It is a signed Thomas Partey shirt. It is going to be drawn live at 7.30 over on Football Prizes' website. I've got tickets in this one. I I can't ignore the chance to win a Thomas Partey shirt. So I've signed, uh, I've bought a few tickets, and fingers crossed, I might be able to get it. But I wish the best of luck, of course, as always, to you guys if you have bought it. And halfway through the show, I will be revealing which one of our expert members and TGT ambassadors have won a free entry into the prize draw. So we are looking forward to showing you and telling you who has won that ticket. But without further ado, let's carry on with the show and talk about the Europa League. The question I've kind of kicked off the show with is is around... Can we actually win this tournament? Because we've come close in a couple of seasons. Of course, we got knocked out in the semis under Wenger against Atletico Madrid. We got knocked out in the final by Chelsea under Unai Emery. And then we've had the horrific season last year. We got knocked out by Olympiacos in the last 32. And this time, the route is looking favourable. We've had a decent side in Benfica, but not the Benficas of old. 
come very close to nearly knocking us out, were it not from a last-minute goal from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, thanks to a lot of Saka's crossing. And then we managed to go through with a very comfortable win away from home in Greece uh, against Olympiacos, but we made the most of making it tricky at the home leg. And I imagine a lot of that was obviously down to squad rotation, etc. But to get Slavia Prague in the quarterfinal, followed by one of Dinamo Zagreb or Villarreal, I mean, European semifinals, Villarreal, does it ring any bells? 2006 is the last time we played Villarreal, I believe, in an international tournament knockout round anyway. And yeah, it uh, could bring back some memories of us two playing each other. I can see the BT clips being made already. Can we win it? In my opinion, I think we can, of course. The final is going to be difficult if we get that fight. It'll be one of United and you'd most likely expect them to beat Granada and one of them or Ajax and Roma should they come through. If we get Roma in the, if we get Roma at some point, Mkhitaryan, that narrative comes back. So a lot to prove for a lot of people. And uh, let's get your thoughts in the chat because, of course, our Friday shows are all about you guys. So make sure you hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, Juan says, Tom, we have a clear path, I believe you mean, for the final. Not easy, but is not impossible. And for the final, we have to be the best as we have played some games. Mitchell says, what do you know about that Zagreb kid who scored the hat-trick of world is Orsic? He's not really a kid anymore. He's 28. Um, he was, he's in the Croatian national side. He actually doesn't... He's not like a regular... He wasn't like a regular, really, because you had like the likes of Perisic playing on the left-hand side for Croatia, and he kind of was like a bit of, a, I suppose, a super sub uh, for Croatia. But I imagine that... With the form he's been in this season, and he's still 28, so he's in his prime right now. Maybe there'll be a lot of interest for him in the summer. Um, we'll have to wait and see. He's done exceptionally well. He's, he's been consistent for Dinamo for so many years now and scored a lot of goals for them during each season. I have already spoken to a couple of people in regards to uh, Croatian football experts, so I am going to be looking at getting you some content in regards to breaking down Slavia Prague ahead of that match. So make sure you subscribe and turn those notifications on so when that content goes live, you will be notified. Said says, it is an acceptable draw. We have ordered the toughest teams in this competition, but we cannot take any teams easily. All the best teams are difficult and we have to be at our best. Of course, Slavia Prague did knock out Leicester City. I know that they didn't play a lot of their kind of first team and their sights are very much on qualifying for the Champions League through the league, uh, which is, looks like a very possible option for them. Um, and then you've got a situation whereby they beat a Rangers side that it looks from the first leg where Rangers drew 1-1, even though they didn't play too great, they might have a decent chance. But Slavia went um, to, to Scotland and absolutely battered them. Now, Rangers did go down, I think it was to nine men in the end, and there was a really horrific incident with with Glenn Cameron. And I, it's so frustrating that obviously racism exists. And I know, coming from a white guy, um, it's, I don't have the same, obviously. I don't have the experiences. I, I'm in a very privileged position to be uh, who I am, and I'm had to deal with um, a lot of the rubbish that a lot of unfortunate people uh, really do have to deal with uh, from all backgrounds. And this is something that needs to be cracked down upon um, because from friends that I know and from watching stuff, abuse exists every single day. And we talk about this a lot on LTA, and we're probably going to be talking about it on the LTA podcast with John next week because it's just unacceptable that this type of thing can happen. If you've seen the video, 
that is very, very obvious from the way that Camera reacts and the way in which the Slavia player who covers his mouth to try and stop the cameras from noticing what he said and the immediate reaction of camera it's so clear what has happened in that moment if nothing can be done and if they take the route of this isn't okay or like there's not enough evidence we can't prove it it's not good enough it's not good enough because the fact of the matter is is that people should not be getting away with this sort of thing it's it's it looks too suspicious it looks too clear-cut for there to be any questions about it and is it right that someone should get punished? Say, say in some weird world where, where he doesn't say something, which I genuinely believe he has. Unfortunately, we've got to try and take this type of route and we just have to punish that cause and give the consequences out for it. And this isn't obviously just because the Arsenal are playing them and it might mean they get a punishment or whatever. Whatever happens, something needs to happen in this case because it's not fair. It's not right. And uh, and yeah, and it's important. I wanted to bring it up because I think it's, it's important to raise the awareness on the topic, to be honest. Um, let's have a look at what you guys are saying um, about the draw. Uh, let's scroll up a bit more to some of the earlier comments. Uh, Dan Roberts says, in Arteta, I trust we will win the Europa and get top six. Wow. Matt Onchair AF says, why is no one talking about Saka on the right wing for England? We have lots of senior options on the left wing, such as Rashford and Sterling. But is it only really Saka and Sancho that can play on the right for their club? Arguably, it will be between those two. Sancho is currently out injured at the moment, so Saka has a really, really good chance. Uh, Colin says, of course we can in regards to winning the Europa League. Not going to be easy, but you have to be in it to win it. Uh, good evening, everyone. Marvin says, I wish, but if we play against United in the final, I can't see us winning. Michael Velasquez says, as long as we are in the Europa League, we have a chance of winning it, but I'm concerned if we get, uh, sorry, if we play like we did yesterday, then we won't get far. If we play against Slavia Prague like we did yesterday, we're gone. And at this point, when you look at the situation that we've got and the draws that we could have and the teams that we could play leading up to the final, we have to go all out in every single leg. Even if we manage to come away with a decent victory like we did in Greece, off the back of that performance that we saw at home, we have to go out. And to be honest, I think a lot has been kind of blown out of proportion because of the hard statistic of the scoreline. We dominated the game against Olympiacos. We created plenty of clear-cut chances that we should have scored. Pepe should have scored, or Pepe rather should have squared it for Aubameyang. Aubameyang had another chance in the second half that he should have done a lot better with. Erdogan had a really good chance in the second half that he should have done a lot better with. We should have been far and away, out of sight in that game. We weren't because we're not taking our chances, and that is a big, big problem that we've got at the moment um let's scroll down a bit more to see some more uh james Hoyt says i'm late what's going on tom what's going on james good to have the chat mate uh f racism says michael velasquez very very much so omar says well it isn't surprised that it exists i am not even surprised when i hear a player has been abused and that's the the, the horrible thing isn't it it's, it's not even surprising at this stage that this is happening that, that is the worst thing about it that uh, it's not even surprising anymore. That's what's the horrible. I remember when I, growing up watching football, I know that it existed, but I've actually become more aware of it the more I watch football, the, the older that I get. And you think that we're meant to be trying to move away from the days where racism existed. And actually now it seems to be becoming even more frequent of an incident in football. And that's what's really, really poor about the situation. 
Tom says, unfortunately, unless the guy is caught on video saying the racist abuse, there's little that can be done in terms of actual punishment. The investigation happening is still very important. Um, it is a very, uh, <clears throat> it's a very difficult one because if if there's no proof of him saying it, but I'm sorry, there's enough witnesses. There was more than just camera that heard what was said. That needs to be taken into account. It's, it's just unacceptable. Uh, Ron Stone says, if we play a lineup more like the one that played them lot up the road, then we have a better chance of going far in the Europa League. Um, I just, the thing is, is that we need to not take any of these games for granted. Facts. We cannot be looking at Slavia. We cannot be looking at Villarreal or uh, Dinamo, whoever we end up playing, if we end up getting through and thinking that it's going to be an easy ride. And arguably, maybe if we are going to face Man United, maybe playing in the final is you know, a one-off game is, is better than playing across two legs. Um, because even though we've had United's number this season and we've got four points from six off them, they're a different side now. Um, and they've got Pogba back and other players are coming into form. And while Bruno has kind of... Uh, moved away maybe from the main limelight of producing for them. Other players are stepping up and that's more of an issue that they're not reliant on one player for sure. Um, Booty says, uh, great show. I hope we concentrate on this cup more than we do the league. That's an interesting one now because now you've seen the draw. Now you know who we're facing. Should Arsenal sacrifice the league in your view? Should Arsenal be looking to rest players in league games in order to lead up to the Europa games? If we've got a game on Thursday and we play Liverpool, say on, I think the, the fixture list will be that. So we play Liverpool and then we play someone else. Let me just check this. <clears throat> Where is matches? Okay, so wh when do we actually play Slavia? This is what we need to work out as, oh, dearie me. Okay, the Arsenal website just wants to completely stop working. Fantastic. Perfect timing. Here we go. Um, so, yeah, we play Slavia Prague the, the week after or so, yeah, the week after the Liverpool game. We play Liverpool on Sunday. We play Euro, Europa League football on the uh, Thursday. We then play Sheffield United on Sunday evening at 7 o'clock in the late kickoff when we play Europa League football again. And then we play Fulham, but that is, I mean, that game could still change. I imagine that will move to a Sunday, that Fulham game, um, because of the Europa League game on a Thursday. Uh, and if we get through that, then we have our, then we actually have some okay fixtures um, because we have Fulham and Everton, then the Europa League semi-final, Newcastle, then the Europa League semi-final uh, second leg before playing, of course, uh, our final four Premier League games against West Brom, Chelsea, Palace and Brighton. Arsenal, after the Liverpool game, have actually a, a decent run-in where we only play Everton and Chelsea of the top 10 teams. Um, so that is going to be very, very intriguing to how Arsenal finish the season strongly. Building up momentum is, is the main thing. But let's see what you uh, think about how we should tackle the, re, uh, the, the league. Sorry, uh, Daniel Roberts says, we can't risk it all on a potential final against United. Very, very true. So if we go through into the league and say worst situation happens in the final and we lose that, we've still got a qualification through the league to fight for. I genuinely don't... I, I think the league is being taken out of context a lot. The position, you look how close we are to where we kind of want to be and in the games where we drop points and the big games where we picked up points and the form of some teams above us, like Everton have dipped, Spurs are dipping. I think there's loads to play for. I really, really do this season. 
Arsenal Granny says, so how does Arteta get these players to hit their marks? It comes through a combination of cohesive and coherent instruction, them wanting to be on board with it, them ultimately performing on the day and having a coherent system. And it's very easy for me to sit down and say, look, this is the system that we need to play. This is how we need to do it. And, and I trust the system because we're creating a lot of chances. As Kieran Tierney showed in the Northland Derby, we're getting very, very kind of frustrated that we're not taking these chances because how many times are we creating a really clear-cut chance and not doing it? Pepe had a great chance to hit off the back of Erdogan last night, though in any other game you think would go in. It's just the luck isn't kind of falling for us. And that's the last thing that you need is you need a bit of luck. No matter how good you are, in some games, you need luck to go your way. Like Dinamo did last night, they were great. They won 3-0. But Kane shot, if he hits it into the right-hand side of the goal, the keeper never gets across in time. And he saves it really, really well, of course. And I don't want to take too much away from that save. But Kane should score. And that's the little bit of luck sometimes that you need. And that is the same thing for Arsenal is we're going to need a little bit of luck. And also, we're not going to st- we need to stop making the same old silly mistakes that we have made too. That is ultimately what we also need to do. Brooke says, hello, Tom. Is the fixture taking place at their own stadium when we play against Slavia Prague? It's a really excellent question. I, I imagine it will because um, they played, did they not, in Scotland last night? Um let me check. Because if they did play in Scotland, then you imagine that they are going to also play in London. Uh, let me have a look at what's going on. Uh, I can't see if it was at Ibrox. Yep. So it was it was in Scotland. And I imagine that the other tie was in the Czech Republic. I don't know if the Czech Republic's on any kind of red list. And obviously, the, the longer we go through uh, the competitions, the less restrictions there are. But on travel... That's not necessarily as much the case. So we just got to play it game by game. But I believe that we can actually go and travel and they can come to the Emirates. So that should not be too much of a problem. Uh, Sanyak says, very possible we can win it just like last year's FA Cup. We have shown to be a very good cup side of late and getting through knockout rounds is something that we are quite successful at. Richard Banks says, rotation is definitely needed and Arteta is happy giving everyone a game. Hopefully Martinelli will get some starts now after his performance last night. He came on and he was full of energy and he gave you exactly what you kind of expect from a Martinelli performance. And that's what we want to see. Yo-Yo says, Emery in his first season played it right, uh, played it the right way, but was let down by individual mistakes the last two home games. Yo-Yo, I disagree with you. Emery didn't play it in the right way because Arsenal had the chance of getting Champions League football through the league and we decided to rest against Crystal Palace and Brighton. We didn't need to do that. We did not need to do that whatsoever. Building up momentum and going to the final. And I believe that that kind of failure in the league mentally affected the side so much so that it went into that final with the wrong mentality. We lost ourselves Champions League. All of the pressure was on the Europa League to get Champions League football and we blew it. And I don't think Emery handled the end of that season the right way whatsoever. And that ultimately led to that loss of final and it it led to the team then losing faith in that manager. And that's why he ended up losing the dressing room and getting sacked. So, no, I don't think Emery dealt with it in the right way whatsoever. Karthik says, Tom, what do you think is our second best midfield? The midfield was invisible yesterday. If you mean, I mean, we have to decide what the best midfield is. And I imagine to do that, you look at the two pivots and you look at the number 10. The number 10 for me is Erdegaard all day long. And the midfield is Xhaka and Partey, which means your next best midfield is you're looking at Chambers, not Chambers, sorry. You're looking at Elneny and Ceballos. And that 
is a big drop-off. I mean, the, the two that we played yesterday, Ceballos, uh, El Nenny and Xhaka, El Nenny is just a really negative footballer. I know that he scored a great goal away in Greece. I get it. He scored a really good goal. But I'm sorry, he isn't he isn't an Arsenal standard player. Um, he's great for the dressing room. Everyone gets on with him. Fair play. But he's not good enough to be an Arsenal regular. And the drop-off from him to what's next, or rather what's above him, is big. Really, really big. And I can't get my head around the amount of people that would rather see Elneny play than Xhaka. It doesn't make any sense for me because of what Xhaka gives you on the pitch. And I didn't think Xhaka had a good game yesterday. I didn't think he was good at all. But I think that Partey being next to Xhaka gives you a lot more than it does from Partey next to Elneny. Um, Juan says, Sam, I agree. B team should be enough to get results in the league. You'd be surprised based on that performance yesterday. Sahil says, Tom, Ajax or Roma, who would you prefer? Obviously, I'll be one of them we'd hope to beat Manchester United. I think I'd rather play against Ajax uh, of the two because it would avoid the added motivation of Mkhitaryan, I think. Uh, so I think I'd rather Ajax over Roma, to be honest. Uh, Colin says, momentum will be key, in my opinion, and getting wins in the league will only build confidence for the Europa. Uh, Broken says, I actually think Emery's downfall was actually due to us losing all of our leaders in the first summer, like Czech, Lichsteiner, Ramsey, Koscielny, and Monreal. Yeah, but I don't think they necessarily are out-and-out really strong leaders because Arsenal have notoriously lacked leaders over the last decade. And that is something that Arteta has addressed. And that's something that Emery should have addressed as well. It's down to the coaches to identify players and to create leaders in the team. And this is the Emery that wanted five captains and gave one of them to players like Hector Bellerin and Mesut Ozil. And they aren't leaders for me on the pitch. So I don't think you can put it down to that. Mr. Joe Kerr says, uh, I'm concerned that we would get a semi against Unai Emery. He is not a great manager, as we know firsthand. But... He knows one tune, and that's the Europa League football. He has maybe one Europa loss, and that was with us. Yeah. I don't know how uh, how Villarreal have actually got on in the Europa League this season. Let me just get up their record uh, this season. I know that in the league, they have dropped off, and that has been a, a pretty much kind of akin to Villarreal. Uh, sorry, to Unai Emery's. The, towards the end of seasons, his teams drop off. So let's have a look at how Villarreal got on this season. Their record in the Europa League, they haven't lost a single game. They beat uh, Sivaspor uh, twice. They beat uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv and they drew against them and they beat Karabag. Um, they then beat Rebel Salzburg, obviously a very decent side, as I know very well, uh, 4-1 on aggregate. They then beat Dinamo Kiev twice, 2-0. Uh, and in La Liga, over the last few games, they did beat Ibar, but they lost to Valencia. That's not a really good loss at all, losing to this Valencia side at the moment. They lost to Atletico Madrid. They lost to Atlet uh, They drew against Athletic Club. They lost to Real Betis. They drew against Elche. They drew against Sociedad. They drew against Huesca. They drew against Granada. They have one win in their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine league games they have one win um so their form in europa is strong as you would expect from an unai emery team but in the league and in la liga it has dropped off significantly in fact in their last one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen games in la liga they have four wins which is incredibly low um is that relevant because it's Europa League football and they do very well rather 
Um, Unai Emery does very well. I don't know. Um, they have a decent team. They've got a couple of ex-Arsenal players, uh, or definitely have one ex-Arsenal player in terms of Francis Coquelin, who we know obviously very, very well. Uh, they've got a very good striker in Gerard Moreno, a 28-year-old Spanish international, uh, Nigerian youngster. I say youngster, he's 21, but Samuel Chukwesi, although he doesn't get into the lineup too much, but he's someone with a lot of potential. Paco Alcacer, uh, or Paco Alcacer, um, if you want to go proper pronunciation, is obviously someone that we know from his time at Valencia and Barcelona and Dortmund and now Villarreal as well. Carlos Bacca is now 34 years old, um, but he's still banging in a couple of goals for them. Uh, Danny Parejo in midfield is a, obviously a long-time stalwart of the midfield, along with Etienne Capu, they signed from Watford. Um, and at the back, they signed Purvis Estupinan uh, from Watford as well. But they've got Alfonso Pedraza, who loves getting up and down that left-hand flank. Raul Albiol, very, very uh, kind of experienced centre-back in their back line. Um, Ramiro Funes Mori, who is, I believe, um, the guy used to play for Everton. Did he not? I think he maybe he did. Um, did he? Yes, he did. He used to play for Everton. In fact, they signed him from Everton. So, And they've got uh, Jero Rulli. Uh, as, as a goalkeeper, along with Sergio Asenjo. So two decent keepers. And Pau Torres, who is currently injured with an unknown return that if he is injured for any game that Arsenal could play him in, he's a very, very good young centre-back that people should be keeping an eye on. But I still believe we've got more than enough capabilities to beat that Villarreal team, should we have to play them. But we have to get past Slavia Prague first. That is the most important thing. It's probably a good idea for us to take a quick look at Slavia Prague's team. And see how they got on it. I'll get this up on the screen, guys, so you can also have a look too. Uh, let's share this with you. Share screen. Here we go. Uh, and let me just get rid of this comment so you can have a look. Let's zoom in. So we know not too much about this side. What we do know is that they have a lot of players that have moved to the Premier League since. I say a lot, but you've seen the likes of Kufau and Suchek move and do very, very well. Their forward line, it's probably best if we go on to statistics and have a look at their stats this season. Uh, in terms of goals, which is the third column of numbers. Okay, so the top goal scorers, 13. They've got Jan Kukcha, uh, who is a, I believe his Czech Republic international, will be going to the Euros with 13 goals this season. Uh, Stanislav Tekel with seven goals is also another centre forward. They've got uh, Peter Olajinka. I don't know if he's any relation to our own uh, Olajinka. Probably not, uh, but I don't know if there's any uh, kind of link between that. And then they've got uh, Abdullah Sima, who is an exceptionally kind of coming through the ranks, uh, 15 goals a season, 19 years old, uh, someone that a lot of people know a lot of things about. We have a look at how they've actually got on this season in terms of their results. They are top of the league in the Czech League, haven't lost a single game so far on 61 points, far and away ahead of their city rivals, Sparta, Prague. Um, they didn't qualify for the Champions League. They were, uh, sorry, they did, they yeah, they didn't qualify for the Champions League. They were knocked out by FC Midtjylland. Just checking that this is the right season. It is indeed. Uh, and then in the Europa League, they were given a tough group between Bayer Leverkusen, Nice, and the Belgian side, uh, Uh They lost to Biersheva, amazingly, surprisingly, uh, in the first leg, uh, first sorry round of that group game. They then beat Live at Bayer... Uh, I can't speak today. Christ, by Leverkusen. They beat Nice twice, who had an awful tournament, I think finished bottom of the group. Um, they then beat the Belgian side, Beersheva, 3-0, and then beat by Leverkusen. Uh, sorry, lost to by Leverkusen, 4-0. Uh, 
uh, and went through, I think, as group... I don't think they won the group. I think they came just behind Bayer Leverkusen, actually. Um, but yeah, a very, very okay performance in the group stage. Beating Bayer, um, beating these twice. But lose, the, the game to Beershaver shows that they do have vulnerabilities, especially kind of away from home. Both of their losses were away from home. So that can be something we can get at them. They then played against Leicester in the first rounds of the last 32. They drew nil-nil. Uh, at home before winning uh, against a very much changed Leicester team. In fact, looking at that game, Leicester have had to play because they... Uh, Vardy, Under, Chowdhury, Tielemans, Albright, so no Madison, uh, no Harvey Barnes, who came off the bench, I think. Yeah, no Timothy Castagna, Evan Soyuncu, Amate, Thomas, Ndidi. It's not a terrible team, <laughs> by, all, by all means. Uh, Ricardo Pereira, Castagna. Barnes came off the bench. Uh, it's, it's actually a fairly decent side now you look at it. Um, but Chowdhury, obviously, is not a starting centre midfielder for them, and they would rather have Madison on the pitch, have the likes of Albrighton as well as Barnes. But they still play with Vardy, and they couldn't come out with a victory in that game. Simmer got a goal, the really highly rated young 19-year-old winger. So they're no mugs. That is for sure. And then in the knockout uh, against Rangers, they drew... 1-1 at home. So drawing again, both of the first legs at home they have drawn and then won the away leg 2-0. And that will show that we cannot be, or we cannot look at this team as something that if we get the job done away from home and go to the Emirates, they are still a really big threat and something that we need to really worry about. Um, Matthew Hudson says, we have been poor at home, but I didn't think that we would have looked so terrible yesterday. The home leg is a big worry for me in terms of success in the Europa. And says the standard of La Liga is so poor this year. Chelsea scored the best teams in Spain this week. I'm not worried, but ask me again in a month. Ian says Slavia Prague is a good team away from home. We need to keep clean sheets at home, kind of wanted to play the away leg first. We are, of course, at home for that, um, which I think is fine because it means you can control the game. Don't concede the away goals, importantly. Even if you were to say go into that game and draw nil-nil, it's still a very good scoreline to take away from the home and go to the away leg knowing that you can win that game or just scoring. Uh, if you score from that game at all, it's a really big plus for them. And actually, you think about the, the the away leg being second, say if it went and it was horrible into extra time, away goals count for Arsenal in extra time. So that is something that you can certainly look at. Um, now, that does bring us to the halfway point of, of course, the show so far, which means I am going to do the uh, draw for which one of our members is going to win. I'm definitely going to show you on the screen this week. Let me just go into the Discord server to check how many applicants we have for this week's prize. We have 25 players in this week's competition to get the free entry into the signed Thomas Partey shirt, courtesy of Football Prizes. So let's type in 25. I'm going to click the button five times, and whoever I land on the fifth time, so let me check that you can definitely see this. You can. Uh, here we go. One, two, three, four, and five. Number four is the winner, and that is David Lennon. And I believe that is the second time that Dave Lennon has won the prize. So a massive congratulations to Dave, uh, who has won the free entry into this week's competition. Just let me notify uh, football prizes that, in fact, Dave Lennon is our winner for this week, and he will get a free ticket into the prize draw tonight for the Thomas Partey shirts. Here we go. Free entry for Dave Lennon. Congratulations, Dave. 
and uh, and good luck, mate. If you're in the chat box, congrats, mate. I know you do tune in for a lot of our shows, but you do have a lot of work, if not. So congratulations. And make sure people in the Discord server let Dave know that he has won that coveted ticket. Um, wow. This is a big question from Sam Trester. Says, is anyone in the chat box Arteta out? If so, if we were to win the Europa League, would it change your mind? Let us know in the chat box. If you are currently someone that would prefer Arsenal to move on from Mikel Arteta, you're not happy with what he's done so far and you think that we should move on from Mikel Arteta. If we were to win the Europa League under him and still finish closer to mid-table, like 8th, ninth, 10th, whatever, would that change you? Would it change your mind, the fact that he's taken us through and got a Champions League qualification football for next season? Really, really interesting question. So let us know what you think in the chat box. Uh, it is a great question, Steve, and I'd love to know from anyone if they think it would convert them or not. Um, <laughs> Sam says Dave Leonard is Tom's burner account. I can assure you he definitely is. It. I've got my own tickets. I've bought my tickets. I'm in the prize draw. I'll be looking for that win. I'll be taking it proudly. No mercy from me whatsoever if I'm going to take that away. Uh, Yo-Yo says, not Arteta out, but I've had doubts in his appointment and promotion. Winning the Europa League will permit him deserved patience. So is it a case of if we don't win it, does that then change? If, does that mean you, you definitely want him out or do you, do you rather see another summer window to see him kind of progress? Uh, Predator94 says, thoughts on Erdogan so far? Very simple, Predator. Sign him up full-time. Sign this kid up full-time. If you can get Martin Erdogan at Arsenal, 22 years of age, potential there to become a really, really strong, strong player, be that number 10 for the foreseeable future, combining really well with another player that's got a big future at Arsenal, Smith Rowe. You've got two players there that are young, that can rotate, that can play together. It's a perfect dynamic for the pair sign him up. In terms of price, as Ian says, I think you're going to be looking at 30 million plus minimum. I think the Erdogan uh, has, still has a significant contract at Real Madrid. Let me just have a quick check of when his contract runs out. His contract runs out in... Oh, 2021. It's... Uh, uh, Oh, sorry, no. I'm looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> 2023 is when it runs out at Real Madrid. So he has two years left on his deal at the conclusion of this season. Real Madrid are going to be in a rebuilding process. An Erdogan-type player is, ironically, a very good player to have for a rebuilding process. Someone that is young that can give you a lot. If he wants to leave... He should push for it. He's not at the best of times at Real Madrid. He's unsettled at Real Madrid. He's spoken very highly of his time at Arsenal. He's even kind of, <coughs> sorry, he's even kind of left the door open for a move to Arsenal by talking about the club in very, very high standing and how happy he is, how at home he feels and how stable he is. It's something that Arsenal should look at. And that's certainly what we need to do. But if his contract runs out in 2023, which it does, that is going to be a really, really important factor in getting this deal done. Um, Vivek says, what do you think of Tottenham? Shit. I'm sorry, I swore, but I can't not. What do you think of shit? <laughs> Tell me, chat box. I'm not meant to swear, but you can't not. You've asked me the question. Kids, I'm sorry if you watch it. <laughs> Luigi says, uh, Luigi, you're new to the chat. Great name, son. I hope, you're, I hope there's Italian background there. Arteta in all day long. Huge potential as a coach. And see, we are going in the right direction. 100%, mate. Uh, Tom says, Madrid will need to sell players to get in Haaland or Mbappe as they want. Let's get Martin done. 
How much is a maximum that you would pay for Erdogan? If you're talking money, let me know in the chat box. What are you feeling about that? What's the maximum amount of money you would be willing to see Arsenal spend on Martin Erdogan? For me, I'm not sure if I'd go much higher than, say, 40, um, considering we've got a lot of other areas of the pitch that I'd like Arsenal to really focus on. Um, I think 40 is probably the maximum. Of, of where I'm at. Blaze says 35 to 40. Dan says 40 million. Saeed says 40 million. TiVo says 40 million. Uh, Richard says 40 million. Slavomir says only 30. Ibrahim says 45. Juan says 40 million plus add-ons. What would be perfect is if Arsenal could get a loan with an obligation to buy. If they could get an obligatory uh, purchase option on that deal that we could then focus the money on other areas and push that kind of back to the next season, add on the obviously the loan fee for that season too. It could be something that really works out well for Arsenal. Um, so he also says 10 million plus Genduzi. I'm hoping that isn't a suggestion that we sell Genduzi to Real Madrid because they won't want him. He's not good enough to get into their midfield. He's far off the quality required. But we could sell Genduzi somewhere else to then get the money in to then go for Erdogan. Steve says, agree, 40 million tops. DJ says, 40 million tops. Wilson says, I believe that 35 million is a reasonable price for Erdogan. Sam thinks 35 million too, as does Tom. Uh, Tiba Pest says, we can loan El Nenny to Rao as a favour. <laughs> I think you're pulling my leg there, Tiba. Karthik says, Tom, what do you think of the Champions League draw? It's an interesting Champions League draw. Um... Of all the English sides that are in it, I'd rather Manchester City won it. So to see Chelsea get a very good route and a very simple route was frustrating. Although I think of all the sides that Porto could have got, I think Porto will be very happy with a Chelsea draw. Uh, they then obviously go on to play the winners between Real Madrid and Liverpool, two teams that have not necessarily performed too well this season in the context of what you expect from those two. It's it's a really it's an exciting Champions League quarterfinal draw, and it's going to throw up some really, really good fixtures. And I look forward to covering those for 101 and writing some games, uh, some articles, sorry, on those as well. Yo-Yo says, uh, James Rodriguez was sold for 20 million plus. I actually heard a weird rumour that he didn't cost Everton anywhere close to that. And what the reported fee was very, very different to what was actually paid for him. Um, one to look up for sure. Uh, Predator says, if you could sign three players in the summer under the budget of 150 million, who would you go for? Always these, always these questions come in. Um, three players, you have to identify three positions. If you're thinking about the positions that Arsenal need most, I think you need to look at centre midfield, attacking midfield, and then for me, it's a real kind of, it's a real kind of difference maker between striker and right back. Because I think Arsenal, if, if Arsenal add another centre midfielder to add to Partey, you've got a kind of midfield sorted for the next four or five years or whatever. We need a cam. Even though we've got my Smith Rowe there, his fitness isn't good enough. We need a cam. So I think those two positions, two midfielders, are really important. I believe that we can go another season without signing a striker because Aubameyang ultimately is here for another two years. I think Martinelli can also play in that position and that's maybe what his end goal under Arteta is. So I feel like having Aubameyang and Gabriel Martinelli there as options and Lacazette could still be here for a year. He might run down his contract and leave on a free. I know a lot of people wouldn't want to see that, but I think that's, if it ends up happening, so be it. And I think then you go for right back. So if you've identified the three positions being right back, centre mid and attacking midfield, 
Erdogan would obviously be one of my three to bring in. I think he would be the one that I'd look at. In terms of centre midfield, this is a really, really tough one. And I've written a lot of articles on players. If, you, if you're looking at 150 million budget and you spent, say, 40 million max on Erdogan, so it takes you down to 110, I would genuinely go in with about a 50 million pound bid for someone like Fabian Ruiz from Napoli. That would take you down to 60 million for your right back. Uh, which, I mean, if you're looking at right backs for that amount of money, I think you could tempt Leicester's Ricardo Pereira. I think you could maybe tempt RB Leipzig into selling uh, Mukiele. If you put in enough money, RB Leipzig do sell. If you give them enough money, I feel like they would. So he is someone that maybe you would throw some money at. It's a lot of money, Predator, the thing is that you've given me there. And I think I don't know if we're going to spend that. It relies very much on Arsenal being able to sell players and what competition Arsenal ultimately qualify for. If we manage to sell the likes of Lacazette, Elneny, Chambers, Kalasinac, El, um, who else have we got? Bellerin, Maitland-Niles, Willock, Nelson and Ketia. There's a lot of players we could sell. If we manage, And Genduzi, Torreira. There's a lot of players we can move on in the summer. If we can move on a lot of them. And you're able to obviously get a little bit maybe of cash injection from the owners, which has happened over the last couple of seasons for the Partey deal and for the Pepe deal. If all of that stuff happens, there's a there's a likelihood we could go big on some signings. But a lot of stuff needs to happen before we can do that. Arsenal need to move quickly. Arteta tells us that the plan is done, that it's ready, that we know what we're going to do this summer. Whether that comes to fruition is going to be a really, really difficult thing to pull off. Fingers crossed we can do it. But I think there's more scope this summer than last summer for spending. The pandemic has still had an impact on the club. That will affect things. And we may need support financially from the owner, and that will be big. If we get it, Arsenal could have a really good squad for next season, a really good squad. If you can add three, four, even five players to the squad next season, we arguably need a goalkeeper as well, because Ryan's going to be going back to Brighton. We could sign him maybe permanently. We need to sign a permanent goalkeeper because Runnison is not good enough to be back up. So we need to sign a goalkeeper as well. It's another position. We need to sign a backup left back because Kalasinac is going to be sold. So suddenly you're looking at a summer where maybe five, six or seven players could come in. Because in a perfect summer, you look at moving on several players. I don't like doing the whole move on and sell and buy for whatever price because I think it's unrealistic. But it's, it's, it's they're the positions that you need to look at. Um Daniel Roberts says, Hakimi isn't even Morocco's best right back. You're right, because it's Masraoui. And the thing is, I wouldn't sign Hakimi because Arsenal need to sign a right back that improves us defensively as much as it improves us going forwards. We need to sign someone that's got physicality about them. We cannot rely on someone that leaves us exposed. We were exposed against Olympiacos because Hector Bellerin shot up the other end of the pitch and we were left exposed on our left. El Arabi was able to ghost in that left-hand side. Louise did as much as he could. He got his foot in to block it and we were unfortunate with the deflection off Gabriel. But had we had a right-back that was in a correct position and disciplined in his role, which Hakimi struggles with. I've seen him playing a back four for Real Madrid. I've seen him playing a back four for Dortmund and he loves to get forwards. And his discipline going backwards needs to improve. At Inter Milan, he's able to play in a system where he's playing a 3-5-2. So he's in that system where he's got a go on the right-hand side. He's got his three centre-backs, one of them covering that right-back slot, if need be. He's got the cover to do that. Arsenal don't play that system. And for me, Hakimi is not the type of player that Arsenal need to target. Arsenal needs to be going for someone like a Nordi Mukiele from RB Leipzig. That 
That is someone I like. Celik at Lille, the Turkish international right back. Very good going forwards. Very good defensively as well. 24 years of age would be a decent price as well. And he improves us defensively way more than what we've got with Bellerin as the potential to do things going forwards as well. You've got Drew's pick. He loves Baku at um, at Wolfsburg. Young guy can play at right back, left back, centre mid, right wing. But he can play and predominantly has played a lot of his time at right back as well. Ahead of him is, is Mbabu from Wolfsburg as well. I'm not sure he progresses you as much away from uh, from Bellerin. So I think Baku maybe is, is a possibly a better choice. Again, defensively, though, there's more questions about him in that position. You've got someone like Christensen at Red Bull Salzburg. I'm going to do a few videos. When, as I said, you may have noticed on the channel, the tactical breakdowns have disappeared for the moment. We're going for a bit of a rebrand at TGT. We're going to get be getting in new graphics, new thumbnails, new introduction videos. And when we've got those all sorted, tactical breakdown is coming back in a big way. We're going to be doing top five signings in different positions. I've been doing some articles on those positions as well. So there's already a lot of prep done, ready for those videos. Um, so I'm looking forward to the summer because we're going to be covering a lot of players in a lot of positions with a lot of experts to help us out as well. So make sure you subscribe to the channel to get all that content when it comes through. Uh, Vignesh says, hi, Tom. I know it's a bit off topic. Would a midfield pairing of Kese and Partey work? Short answer, Vignesh, is yes, 100%. I would love to see it. It's energetic. It's tough tackling. It's intelligent. It's a really good midfield pairing. It would cost a lot of money, but I would definitely, definitely go for it. Tom says, Lille have to sell as usual to balance their books, but let's not pay Pepe money this time. Uh, Sam says, looking forward to that, Tom. Yeah, I'm, I'm, honestly, and I've always said this about the membership on the channel, is that I am 100% clear with what goes on with the investment that you guys help to support the channel as much as feasibly possible. All the donations, all the support goes into making this channel better. And we've invested heavily in this new graphic designer to rebrand the channel's intros, thumbnails, everything. It is going to be, it's going to look so slick, so smart. We've improved the the hardware like this. Recently, literally had work done on the house to make sure we've got wide internet upstairs in here, which costs money. Microphone, professional podcasting microphone that now gets done. New laptop, the whole thing goes on. All that is helped out from the people that help to support the channel to make this as good as it feasibly can be. That's why I'm always very honest and clear about where people's donations go. And chat box, show the chat box our latest emoji as well. Investing in graphic designers to make fun things for you guys to use in the chat. There's more emojis coming, but show them who the latest emoji is in the chat. I know that Daniel Robert was absolutely buzzing when he saw the latest emoji in the chat box too. So uh, it's there you go. Uh, <laughs> says Tom blows all the membership money on black shirts. It's just, it's my thing. I just love a black shirt, Dad. I can't help it. It's just who I am. I love a black shirt. And to be fair, all of them are patterned. They're not like, they're not like plain. They're all patterned. There's always something on the back, but the front is always clean every single time. Um, swimming chickens emoji says T Bone Pesk. No, we're not going to be having swimming chickens emojis. <laughs> Dearie me, we've got one mascot for the show and it's the flying fish and you need to get used to it. It's as simple as that. Um, oh, thank you, Sam. You're an absolute legend, mate. Speaking of, I haven't done this in a while. Smash the like button. Thank you, Sam. You're an absolute legend, mate. Really appreciate your support. Um, Omar says, Tom, why do you think our stormers have been so wasted? Do you mean strikers, Omar? I think you mean strikers. <laughs> um, 
So, I assume you mean strikers, mate. Yeah. Uh, I, genuinely, I have no idea. It's it's not even something you can put on Arteta now because the start of the season, Arteta system wasn't working. We didn't have a number ten. We weren't creating any chances. We didn't look like scoring. And even when we did look like scoring, nah, nada, nothing. Like we weren't even we weren't taking those chances. Second half of the season, we have had number tens. We've had Smith Rowe come in. We have had Erdogan come in. We've created loads of chances. Arteta's system is apparent now. I can see it. I know what he wants from this team. He wants a team that's got slick pass and use the wide areas, get the cutbacks into the box, low-driven passes, get on the end of those shots. Cut inside, outside the box, take a couple of pot shots from outside is also part of that system. We've moved away from the constant crossing and we're now playing the system that Arteta wants because we've got the personnel to do it. And that's what's most key about this team. We progressed the ball from the midfield really well with Xhaka and Partey's passing and the way that Partey dribbles the ball. We use our full-backs like Tierney to overlap on the left-hand side. Bellerin or Cedric on the right-hand side overlap, get those crosses in as well. The system is clear for me. I can see it. The issue is, is when we create these chances, we are not taking them. And we have players that do it. Aubameyang is a world-class striker and has shown that from his time at Arsenal and Dortmund. He should be taking these chances. Whatever it is, whatever your issues with Arteta, you cannot blame the lack of finishing on him. Because Aubameyang, Pepe, Lacazette have all missed huge chances this season. Massive chances. And the difference between now and the end of the season, the difference must be is that our players need to take those chances. That is the issue that we are facing. And that is what it is. Uh, Omar is being absolutely ripped apart in the chat box. <laughs> Deary me. Deary me. Yayit says, uh, you haven't even faced a challenge. Olympiacos beat yous. Yeah, and you know, ironically, that could be a really good thing. That could be a really, really good thing that they did because it might turn around and buck our ideas up. Because what the worst thing that could have happened is, is Arsenal coasted through that second leg didn't really put in a great performance, but they would have won it. We did enough to win the game with the amount of chances we created and we should have done. But that is going to be a wake-up call. It could be a blessing in disguise. It could be a turning point. It could get these kids' heads screwed on properly. So whilst opposition fans may look at that Olympiacos game and go, you know what, you didn't even beat Olympiacos. The issue is, is what you should be worried about is that Arsenal usually need a bit of a wake-up call. Arsenal in games sometimes need to concede before they wake up. So for opposition fans to be thrown out and laughing at the fact that we went through off a loss actually might come back to bite you in the backside rather than us because Arsenal are the ones that need to kick up the arse. And I think maybe that's what we got. Um, Vignesh, Tom, apart from the woeful finishing from Aubameyang, his body language in that match worried me the most. Yeah, he was down. He was gutted. I don't think he's still affected from the North London derby thing. I don't disagree with Arteta's decision. I think he should have done what he did. Aubameyang needs to get back on it. If he scores a goal or two against West Ham, great. Fantastic. Uh, I think that will turn things around for him. Matthew says, off topic, but I love Mourinho's face after they lost Priceless. You're not the only one, mate. You're not the only one, sir. Ron says, although left-footers, do you think Gabriel and Marie could play well together if Louise is rested? Um, the, I mean, the, the simple argument is to say that there is no reason to say why they couldn't play well together. The issue I have with it is I think tactically it would it would... It would make the right-hand side of our game even less effective. It would make our right-hand side worse because you don't have the right style of pass. For those that haven't, when we've talked about this before, the reason why you play a left footer on the left-hand side or the right foot on the right-hand side is not down to them being more comfortable. 
It's a tactical decision because of an outswinging pass. If a left-footed centre-back can play an outswinging pass ahead of the left-back and a right-footed side, a right -footed centre back playing a right-footed pass out to the right-hand side, I know it's opposite on your screen, <laughs> um, it means that they can run onto the pass. If it's switched and it's the opposite way around, a pass from the left-footed to the left-hand side goes inwards to the right-back and it means it's harder for them to control the ball. So having a right-footed right centre-back and a left-footed left, left centre-back tactically improves play. I get the idea of wanting to have the best two centre-backs, which probably are Marie and Gabriel, although I think Louise has been really good this second half of the season besides Wolves. Um, but tactically, stick with it. Stick with the way we're going because tactically it makes the most sense. Yo-Yo has a question that says, Arsenal's four centre-backs have been relatively resolute. Who, if any, should make way in the summer for either Mavropanos or Saliba. I don't think it's a case of making way. Louise, I wouldn't give a contract to Louise. I just think it's the right decision to move on, move past. If he's signed up to a new deal, I'm not going to lose my mind like I might have done six months ago. But I think it's still the right decision to maybe go, you know what, thanks, Louise, for your time here. You've done really well. well we talked about maybe the fact that we spent 8 million rows to, to a certain amount on him. I think he's actually paid back his transfer fee in what the performances he's given to us. Won an FA Cup, was brilliant in the FA Cup final. I think he has paid back what we paid for him. And I think, actually, Chelsea fans will look at that transfer and go, maybe we shouldn't have sold David Lewis to Arsenal because, actually, he's probably done more good for them than he has done bad. Um, but I don't think I would give him a contract extension. But if we do give it to him, I'm not going to be as frustrated as I would have been maybe six months ago based off that decision. So I don't think that's too much of a problem. Omar says, are you worried about... Uh, oh, sorry, just to finish off that question. Um, I don't think Saliba or Mavropanos come straight in and start playing. They're still young. They still need time. They need integration. And that takes time. They come back. I actually don't think, and I agree with Clive when he said this, I don't think Mavropanos is going to be here next season. I think either he's going to be sold for a very comfy profit or I think he's going to be loaned out again because we have Saliba coming back. We've got Holding, we've got Saliba, we've got Chambers, we've got players that can play in that role. We've then got Marie and Gabriel. You have to also remember we've got young guys coming through the Youth Academy too that could be back up if we desperately need it. Mavropanos and Saliba need to play, and one of them is going to have to go out on loan or be sold. It's just the matter of the game. It's how it is. Mavropanos has been great, but the way you should look at that is go that, yeah, he could come back and do great, but also... Part of being a successful club is making profit on the players that you sell. And you can't stay attached and too attached to these players. He could go off to be an amazing centre-back and we might regret it. But he might go off and be an, an average centre-back that we made a lot of money on, i.e. Alex Awobi, i.e. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. So swings and roundabouts. Saliba's probably the one that you want to put a lot more stock in. And by the way, wishing Saliba the best uh, of wishes as he recovers from uh, getting a positive test, uh, which hopefully will be back on, on the pitch as soon as possible for Nice uh, and playing alongside Tadebo and doing really well once again. Uh, Elliot says, do you believe in Arteta's goal that we can win the Champions League in three years? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think that's realistic at all. Uh, Dan Robert wants an FPL update. Of course, Dan, we can have an FPL update. Uh, let's have a look at how the league is getting on this season. Of course, the code to join our fantasy league is in the description below. So let's see how we're getting on in the fantasy league table. 
Pathetic Athletic are still top. Tom Todd Hunter, <laughs> fantastic note, is still top. He didn't have the best of the game weeks, though. 25 points is very close to what I did last time out. I had a very, very poor game week. In fact, let's have a look at where I am in the table. We were in the 50s before. We might have even gone down at this stage. Where are we? Here we go, 57. I've actually gone up somehow. Somehow managed to go up in the table to 57th. Let's see where good old boy Daniel Robert is sitting in the table at the moment. Daniel Robert, here we go. 30th. Wow, he's up to 30. And when we have a massive 250-odd players in our game, Fair play, Dan. You're doing exceptional this season. 78 points. Had a really good week, uh, captain in Vardy. But, I mean, I have no respect for you, Dan, because what is this? In a North London derby, Dan, you put Kane and Son in your team. That is despicable, and you should be ashamed of yourself. I have a no Spurs rule personally. And, yeah, Dan, I think we're going to have to go a few weeks without talking about your teammate, because that is despicable. <laughs> that, is, that is despicable. How dare you put any... Spurs players in your fantasy team. Dearie, dearie me. What are you like? Mr. Joe Kerr says, if the adequate offer came in and circumstances allowed, would you trade Aubameyang and get Andre Silva? Oh, that's a big question. The answer to your question is probably yes, I would. I think Andre Silva is an exceptional talent that's now kind of coming to the fore. I think he's developing late. I think he's showing late. He's been all over Europe. He's doing really well for Frankfurt and the Bundesliga, scoring a hell of a lot of goals. So yeah, younger, 27, 28 years old. He's got a lot more football left in him. I think it would be a good swap, but I don't think it will happen is the issue. Uh, so he also says, Tom, any player from the potential rele relegation size that you would like us to sign? Obviously, Basuma um, from Brighton makes a lot of sense. Sander Berg is being touted as a possible player that we could look at in the summer as well. I honestly don't know too much about Sander Berg. I've seen him play for Sheffield United, and I think there is a lot of the fact that he's playing for Sheffield United that makes things an issue. I think we need to speak to some people that know a lot more about him, get some Norwegian experts, get some Sheffield United experts and get their thoughts on that because it's... I just don't know about that one. I don't know if he's too slow. I don't know if he's too Xhaka-like um, in terms of his pace. If he's not... Mo I'd like someone more mobile than Sander Berg. Um, but it would mean that we could use the chant that the Sheffield United fans coined for him. So there is that. <laughs> there is that. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else. Because Fulham, Anguissa is someone that a lot of people like. Uh, Anderson, the centre-back, is a lot of people like, but we've got quite a lot of centre-backs. Um, who else is there? Newcastle, I wouldn't really take anyone. I wouldn't take Alan San Maximilla. A lot of people like him, but no, I'm not a fan of the guy, to be honest, personally. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Omar says, thanks for skipping my question, Tom. I'm sorry, Omar. Did I, I, did I miss your question? Did I miss your question? Uh, he says, are you worried about a lack of squad depth? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I did say that, didn't I? Uh, we saw last night that once Arteta changes up the team, we look like a bunch of clowns that have never played football. Yeah, I am. I am worried about the squad depth. I am worried about that. But that comes with rotation. I think it's not even necessarily squad depth. It's if you don't rotate enough, if you don't give players enough opportunity to get regular game time, when they do come into the team, it just drops off. And we had too much of a drop-off in key areas we lost Cedric at right back for Bellerin, who was really poor. We lost Partey in midfield for El Nenny, who was very poor. Granit Xhaka was then poor because he needs a Partey next to him to play a lot better. Um, we lost, I think, an Erdogan element. Sabas playing at 10 is just nowhere near as good as, as Erdogan, and we lost a lot from that. Abamyang was off the pace. Pepe, 
really kind of struggled with his final ball, final touch, final run. It was it wasn't good. It really, really wasn't good. Um, Tom says Sat Maximin is way too inconsistent and has frequent attitude issues and injury problems. So yeah, I wouldn't be going for him at all. Joe Willock is pretty decent, says Dan. Yeah, again, I think it's great that he's having a good loan spell. Go off, get us some money. Get us some really good money in. Um, Jamal Lewis as left back backups as Gary Hardy, maybe. That might be a good shout, to be fair. Uh, and as Az says, which backup left back would you sign? That's not actually one. I haven't covered that yet for 101. It's not a position I've looked at. Maybe I need to start and look at backup left backs for Arsenal to look at. Um, who would I get? I like Pedraza at Villarreal as a possible backup left back. Uh, who else is good? Um, ooh. Jamal Lewis is not a bad shout, to be fair. Um, and maybe there's some people in the chat box can throw up some possible options as, as a left-back goes. Who's RB Leipzig's Haustenberg? Uh, RB Leipzig is a very decent player. German international. Would he want to come to Arsenal and not play? No. <laughs> so why would he move? Um, yeah, it's, it's a really tricky one because you've got to think... Junior Fairpar at Barcelona is one that, that some people have said we should go for, but I'm not sure why he would want to come to Arsenal and play backup. Um, Brazilian left back in Portugal is it um, is it Nunes? Uh, Nunes? Not Nunes. Um, what's his name? Mendes at, at, um, at Benfica, uh, I think maybe the one you're thinking of. Grimaldo has been shouted, but I don't know why Grimaldo would leave uh, to be backup either. Bertrand, Jordan Amavi, says Simon, uh, as a possible. Vindal is a not a bad shout from Jamie Vardy um, from, of course, uh, RZ. Vindal, yeah, very, very competent left-back too. Um, Bertrand is obviously over the age of 30 now, but could come in as a backup to Tierney. It's not a bad shout. He's out of contract at the end of the season. They haven't signed him up to a new deal yet. So that is also someone that we could look at as a backup left back. Uh, and Carthage says, would you like the backup to be a younger or much older? I think older because just get the experience in. You've got the likes of Joel Lopez coming through the academy that's your young option. I think it makes more sense to go for someone probably older. But you could also go for a right back that can play at left back, which you could look at Abaku from Wolfsburg, 22-year-old. I think he could work. Then he gives you cover in both positions. So that's someone that maybe you could look at uh, as a right back that can play in both positions. So, yeah, I think that works. Uh, Elliot, to finish off the show, says, do you think our chances against Savia Prague are good? I do think our chances are good. They're no mugs. I wouldn't underrate them. I wouldn't underestimate them. But I think we got a really good chance of obviously going through against them. Um, that's going to finish off today's show. A massive thank you to everyone that's watched it. Please drop a like on the video uh, before you do drop out. It really, really does help. Our shows are, of course, also on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And if you do have a spare five minutes, guys, please go to iTunes and leave us a really kind written review. Um, we really appreciate it. It helps more people find the show that have never seen the show before. And speaking of which, if you've got a friend that's never watched the show, please make sure you pass on the video. We've done some really good reaction stuff over the last couple of days. We reacted live earlier on today to the Europa League draw. We reacted live to Spurs losing yesterday. I came on to do a reaction to the Arsenal game and it turned into a watch along of watching and what we basically turned into was the Dinamo talk because it came just us watching Dinamo Zagreb absolutely batter Spurs and it was beautiful. Um, tomorrow we will have the preview for the West Ham game with a few of our members. Members, if you would like to join up and help support the channel, expert members and TGT ambassadors, 
get access to a lot of extra stuff. They get access to the Discord server. They get access to coming on the show. We had three expert members on earlier on today, and I'm hoping to get a few more expert members on tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. to talk about West Ham on Sunday. We will then have the reaction show straight after the West Ham game. Uh, and I'll be joining Hugh Wizzy, uh, I believe, as well for the uh, watch-along on Sunday. And then on Monday, we will have the podcast where I'm going to be joined by Jess, uh, who you know from Ar uh, She Knows Arsenal, at Jessinho on Twitter. I'm going to be joined by uh, Kesh, who is making his debut on the Guna Talk. Uh, of course, I've been with Kesh on the Football Terrace, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Kesh gets on. And Adam, of course, who you all know, uh, very well by now. Kesh is a really excellent guest uh, to have on, uh, and Adam is as well. So really looking forward to Monday's podcast. That'll be at 8.30 UK time. And also, this is a really just a really random fun thing. Um, me basically trying to integrate my love of football with my love of drum and bass, and it, there's no way to combine them because any music I put on top of this show will get copyrighted. Um, I can't play any more than you can't play any more than like six seconds of, of clips. I can't do that. So what I've decided would be something fun is if you like integrating with the show, trying to get yourself immersed in, in, in kind of TGT and myself and what we try and do on the show, drum and bass is a big thing. It's why I wear a lot of black t-shirts and caps and why we've got these ones and everything else. Um, every single Friday show, uh, I am going to put a song of the week uh, in the show as well. I know that Danny from Burkett Wonderland loves putting sh songs on the end of shows because he doesn't care for copyright strikes. He doesn't give a flying you-know-what about that sort of thing. So he just puts them on the end anyway. But I can't do that for obvious copyright reasons. So in the description is this week's drum and bass song of the week. And we're going to do this every single Friday. And I'll be revealing which song, of course, will be that. If you're into drum and bass and you like that sort of thing, um then make sure you uh leave a comment about what you think the next week's song should be if not i'm just gonna keep putting my songs in because i want to spread the awareness of how sick drum bass is i've got a fair few uh raves coming up at the end of the year now we're getting out of lockdown finally it's ending finally it's over and we can get back out there in the real world seeing people loving life listening to music uh live which is you just can't really beat it get those flying fish going in the chat box as we close today's show drop a like on the video subscribe to the channel if you're new hit that notification bell so you never miss a show click that join button too to help support the channel and of course get the opportunity to join our discord server and appear on the show yourself i'll be back tomorrow 3 p.m for the preview of the west ham game we're back very very soon it's been a pleasure to speak to you as always and as always up the arsenal <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.